Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Two Minutes with Todd. My name is Todd Jones. I'm the Chief Investment Officer for Gratis Capital. Thanks for joining us today. And you may notice this is a little bit off cycle. Today is May 19th, Thursday. Usually we plan on having these two minutes episodes scheduled on a Monday, but as uh, fate has it, I got COVID Sunday night, was under the weather, wasn't able to put it together a two minutes episode. And since that time, we've had some pretty significant market activity. So I think this coincided pretty nicely with a distribution of an episode right around now. Let's take a look at what's been going on in the markets for the last week or so since we had our last episode. And as the, in the first chart, uh, the weekly performance chart would suggest it's actually been a little bit of a, a turning point in some asset categories and, and not, a, not a turning point in others. But I think more, most interestingly is that the S&P over the last call it week and a half was down slightly while international stocks were up slightly. Uh, small cap companies, small company index, Russell 2000 was up slightly as well. And I think most importantly, bonds have stopped going down. Uh, over this time, bonds are up just slightly as you may have seen on the, on the Bloomberg or CNBC, the 10-year bond yield now is settling in below 2.9. And recall about two weeks ago, that level was over 3% uh, for some period of time. And that also reflects, I think, the fact that the Fed may not need to be as aggressive as once originally thought, because there is some consideration for a recession on the horizon, given some of the earnings reports that have come through recently. That's still not our base case, but I think it's starting to be priced in. And maybe one other reason why commodities, broadly speaking, have stopped going up, according to the Bloomberg Commodity Index. Energy prices are maybe a bit of a different animal in this environment, but everything from lumber to wheats, grains, uh, have all tapered off in price a little bit over the last couple of weeks, which is why the Bloomberg Commodity Index is not at an all-time high, as you can see here uh, in that first slide. But we certainly have had a lot of volatility uh, in the equity markets, in the U.S. equity market, really being driven by some high-profile earnings reports, uh, notably Cisco today. But the last couple of days, it's been retail carnage with Walmart and Target reporting very steep declines in margins, uh, which is obviously rattling some of the valuation case for, for retail at this juncture. And we'll see exactly where this is all going to lead because retail can be the leading edge of where margins can go. But without any further data, it, we'd really just be guessing as to where margins will eventually land. Uh, and by extension, inflation. And so I know there's a, a common ask, particularly after a day like yesterday in the S&P, which was actually down 4%. That was the largest one-day move since uh, the COVID crash back in March of 2020. A lot of clients are asking, well, okay, what, now that we've had these, these large one-day moves, particularly punctuated by yesterday, where can the market go from here? And I would say it's very difficult estimating where the market's going to go over any nearer-term time horizon. But there are market indicators which we can kind of infer uh, what what participants think or where participants think uh, the range of outcomes is. And so on chart one, I thought I would put together just a range of outcomes that the options market is giving us using uh, the VIX index as the proxy here. And essentially what it does is it says based on the VIX, which is currently at about a 30 reading, 30% level on the VIX index, which is typically a pretty high level for that index. Uh, the average is somewhere between 16 and 20 as a steady state level of volatility. What does a 30 mean in the VIX index? Well, it measures the put option buying activity in the S&P index. What that 30 level number suggests is that over the next 30 days, the S&P 500 could be up or down. It's bi-directional, 8% roughly. And so I framed out what an 8% up and down move 
would look like over the next 30 days. Coincidentally, our next rebalance target that we had on the books for over nine months now is 3,600 on the S&P. So uh, whether or not we hit the bottom level is to be determined that we don't think it'll get to that point, but there certainly is a a case to be made that it could if if certain events lined up. But if it does, that would trigger or kick off our rebalance activity again, even though we've been pretty busy in Q1. And on the upside, we shouldn't forget the upside because it's easy to get negative uh, on on markets when markets are going down. Uh, And the upside scenario, I think, is something we should consider because I think the market has already priced in quite a bit of negativity, as you'll see in just a moment. But 4250 would be the upside target on the 30 day look forward according to the VIX index. So chart two though does bring to light a a concept that I think is important to keep in mind during these these types of market conditions, which are very choppy. And recall, we coming into 2022, we thought that 2022 would be a very choppy year to begin with, given that we were coming off three years of substantial gains in the uh, S&P. But what you see here is a chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and it plots by day the moves in the Dow Jones Industrial Average point-wise that are above, I believe it's 200 points. And what you'll notice is the yellow bars, there have been three days this year that that final yellow bar on the 18th, that was yesterday, did eclipse 1200. So it must've been created earlier in the day. We've had three days of over a thousand point drops. We've had a few days of 800, 900 point drops as well too. But what I think is important to note is that these days on the downside, but also on the upside tend to cluster in, in small groups. So it's not as if We can just look at one day in isolation because that really doesn't mean a lot, particularly when you're looking at the day here in in early May, where you had a a massive 1,000 point up day in the Dow Jones, followed by a 1,000 point down day. That's just a meaningless two days, essentially. But I think what the the point is, is that there is clusterings. And typically, the clustering means that very large drawdown days can be followed by large updates. And why do I mention that? That's really important to mention because you know we, we hear a lot from clients about, you know, well, why don't we just go to cash during this very volatile environment? It, it, that seems like a, a good recommendation in a lot of people's eyes. And I would say that can be for some situations, but for the vast majority of clients, it's a very poor strategy because as you see on the chart here, on chart three, this shows the S&P 500 from a return profile from ni- January of 91 to December of 2020. And what you'll notice is if you were fully invested, and this is if you had invested 10,000, I believe at the beginning of Jan 91, you would have had $211,000 of total value at the end of December, 2020. However, if you missed the, just the best 10 days of the market's return in this 29 year period, then your, your return would have been half, which is really staggering to think about. Only missing 10 days um, accounted for half as much return as if you were fully invested. I think that just speaks to the power of compounding, meaning that if, if you take a drawdown, the, the compounding effect of a drawdown is twice as hard to get dig back out of. But at the same token, if you miss a very large update, the compounding effect of that being out of the market can be very difficult to make up from. Moving over one section to the right, if you miss the best 20 days, your return is 73% less. And if you miss the best 30 days in that almost 30 year period, your return was 36,000 versus 211,000 or roughly 83% less. So this is why we don't recommend making any sort of equity adjustments or shifts going to cash during these types of volatile periods, because you can really miss out due to that clustering effect, because you never know exactly when they're going to occur. And the final point I would like to make on this uh, little bit longer version of two minutes is that the stock market turning points never feel good, which is why, again, you, you have to stay 
invested during these periods where sentiment is very negative. And this chart from JP Morgan, I think, tells you exactly why that that is the case, because whenever consumer sentiment readings, which have been very popular to show right now, showing very poor conditions for home buying, poor conditions for auto buys or, or large appliance purchases. Those tend to almost always coincide with very good opportunistic times to, to be invested in the market because when the consumer sentiment index prints a very low number, the forward 12 months return in the S&P, as you can see here in this chart, have always been positive. Now, again, one data series or one chart series does not make an entire you know data set. So we realize this is a sample from 1971 to 2021. So it's only a, a small window in time, 40-year window in time. However, I think it is pretty powerful to suggest that when we get to low readings in the consumer sentiment index, the forward-looking returns for the next 12 months are usually generally positive and actually by a pretty sizable amount. You can see the lowest return here that they're referencing is 14% and the highest being 43 or 44. So all that to say is, you know, during this time period, we are not reducing our equity exposure where we would be inclined to add to it if we got to that rebalance point. We're not adding to it quite yet because we're not there. But when we do get there, rest assured we will be investing new capital at that price point. Thanks everybody for your time. We appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. The information contained does not constitute research or recommendation from gratis capital to the listener. Gratis Capital is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Gratis Capital to that listener.